This episode with international best-selling author Hannah Rochelle about the River Home was such a lovely chat. It is the second most listened to episode of 2020. And this book was such a great read, reflective of the complexity of family and the expectations we have of mothers and women. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's such an honour, Danny, um, to be part of this amazing podcast you're doing here. And it's just really cool to be talking about this book. You know my work and you've given it a lot of thought and um, I don't normally get such good questions, to be honest. <laughs> Your podcast is the one that I listen to when I want to listen to an interviewer who has A, actually read the books she's asking questions about, and B, asks really interesting, insightful questions about it. And I think that's really special. Thank you for your wonderful questions. It was a good chat. Great chat. You're a good interviewer. It's an absolute pleasure to be interviewed by a very articulate person such as yourself. I so enjoy listening to the podcast. Truly, I love it. And it does just feel like you're having a chat with your mate. <laughs> that's brilliant what you do. Honestly, I'm so in awe and um, we, we need more word nerds like yourself. <laughs> Welcome and thank you for listening to Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. On this podcast, I chat with authors about their books, the writing process, social and political issues that impact the writing and how literature can change the world. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Thank you to Christopher Dicker for the beautiful intro and outro. You can find Christopher on Instagram or YouTube. Today I welcome Hannah Rochelle. We chat about her new novel, The River Home. She is also author of Secrets of the Tides, The Shadow Year and Peacock Summer. The river can take you home or it can drag you under. In their ramshackle Somerset home, its gardens running down to the river, the sorrels have gathered for one last minute wedding. I hope you enjoy this chat as Hannah and I talk about the past, the importance of family and writing. Enjoy and if you can, stay home. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me on the Words and Nerds podcast, Hannah, to chat about your beautiful book, The River Home. Oh, thank you, Danny. It's great to be here. Now, for those who haven't got their hands on this book yet, can you give us a quick elevator pitch as to what the book is about? Well, um, I describe the River Home as a sort of complex family drama. Um, it's the story of a, a pretty dysfunctional and quite broken family who are reuniting for one week um, for a last minute wedding uh, for one of their clan. And they're all coming back to their riverside home in Somerset in England. And it's over the course of this week that they have to sort of dig into the past and face each other and face some of the traumas and secrets that they've kept buried for quite a long time. And it's about how you carry your life story and your pain and about how you hopefully find um, the courage to heal from that. Mm, great description and covers just about everything I'm about to ask you. So that's good. <laughs> Great. Because <laughs> the heart of the story really is family. I mean, there are secrets which we won't go too much into because we don't want to have a spoiler alert for those who haven't finished the book yet. But at the heart of it, it is family and specifically the complexities of family. How did this idea emerge for you? Because I always find it so interesting because you can always take parts of these stories and, you know, think about your own life. Mm, that's true. Well, I 
first of all, I love to read about families. So some of my favorite books have been stories about families and, you know, the issues and complexities that people face in their own daily lives. So for me, that's always been something I like to read. So it would make sense that it's also something I would like to write about. And I think my writing has kind of naturally evolved. I've always generally written about relationships and um, particularly relationships between mothers and daughters and relationships between sisters. And I think, you know, you can't, you know, when you live in the world and you live in a family, there's influence and inspiration all around you. So while I haven't actually experienced explicitly any of the um, things that some of my characters face in this particular book, I can't help but sort of be informed, I guess, by the things I learn as I as I kind of go through my own life. So there's a lot of um, sadness and pain in this book, which I think probably came um, partly from my own experiences of living with sadness and pain. I lost someone very close to me a few years back. And um, so naturally, I think that taught me a lot about the way I choose to live my life now. And some of my characters, I think I wanted to take them through an experience which hopefully would illuminate um, what sort of life challenges, when they come to you, they're painful and they're hard, but also in the facing of them, you can sort of change and develop and, and learn new life skills, really. So it sounds a little kind of facetious almost to say you, you grow from them, but I think that's what I wanted to show through my characters is that in the actual hard job of facing what happens to a lot of us in our lifetimes, you know, whatever that is, um, you can not only survive, but you can then go on to thrive as well. Mm, and I find that interesting because at first glance, the story is about the past, you know, the past complexities of relationships and past trauma, but it's also about living in the present and the uncertainty we all face of the future. Something is something that is completely relevant at the moment. So I really like that yeah. idea of how all these different parts of past and present and future, you have to live them, you have to experience them, but they shape you in ways that sometimes you can't control. That's absolutely what I was trying to get to in the heart of the novel, I think, is um, the understanding really that, you know, today is really all any of us have. And while the world can be a frightening and scary and uncontrollable place, and we put all these sort of constructs around us to make us feel like we have some sense of control over our lives and what we're doing sometimes something can come along and just sideswipe you and take you to your knees and it's nothing that you could have controlled and so it's how you cope with that and as you say like more so today than ever you know we're all facing a very uncertain world and it's you know it's anxiety inducing and scary and I think you know it's really hard, but you have to sort of focus on the here and now. And something I learned through my own experiences is, you know, looking around and saying, what, what, what is happening right now? And what do I need right now? And not that's not to deny bad experiences, but it's just to accept them, really, which is very hard to do, but to sort of accept them and feel the feelings and to embrace it almost, because in, in the embracing you own it and it becomes yours and you become stronger for that. 
And that's what I love so much about literature because your book is obviously nothing to do with the current pandemic at the moment of COVID-19 <laughs> and yet the experiences the characters relate to and what you were just talking about, about resilience, about being present in that moment, they're so relevant across anything that we experience. And I've been doing exactly that because I'm an anxious person. And with, yeah, this, me pand- too. <laughs> yeah, with this pandemic, I'm just thinking, oh, I'm going to lose my mind. But I keep bringing myself back to at this moment, I'm okay, my family's okay, and I have to focus on that because that's all I have. So it's very interesting that you said that with this book as well. Yes. No, I think that's, you know, it, it's relevant to all of us, you know, whether it's a pandemic or a smaller, more personal issue or experience that, you know, someone's going through. And it's a very hard thing to learn. I mean, it's almost like we sort of need resilience lessons at school when we're growing up so that we can learn how to face life's challenges when they when they come to us. But it's unfortunately not something you can really be um, pre-warned about or taught about. It's something that you have to learn in the going through of difficult experiences, I think. Mm. Um, I'm sounding like a really odd therapist counsellor which I don't mean to at all I'm, I'm sorry these, all these no these episodes always turn like this we go deep after like the third question yeah. and then we're you know psychoanalyzing the world so uh, yeah I think yeah it must be uh, my fault I'm sorry no no but I think the other great thing about literature just to flip that completely on its head is you know in times of trouble is that they offer such wonderful escape as well so mm-hmm. they can take you out of your direct daily life and your own problems and, and I was going to say that thank you for not having having COVID-19 in your book because I'm yes. over it. Like I can't hear another thing about it no, at the moment. Well, absolutely. None of us sort of need any more of that <laughs> at the moment, you know, to then pick up a book and take yourself into a different world or a different story or experience is actually also incredibly helpful, I think. So there's sort of two sides to it, isn't there? Mm. And books help you be present in a way because you're just, it's you and the book. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of meditation and it's always talking about being present but it's very hard to be present. But I think now is a it's a great lesson for us. We just have to be. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Reading is a very meditative experience. But I think also writing, I've discovered, is too. And when you get lost in the flow of a story and, you know, you're, you're typing away, it's the same kind of experience, interestingly, as reading in that you're present and there, but you're also completely unaware of yourself which is a really a wonderful release so um yeah it's it's a very similar experience yeah and they do say that reading just i think six minutes reduces your stress so everyone get out your books this is what we need right now yeah yeah quick <laughs> stockpile but <laughs> not toilet paper i'm not even gonna no go way. down that road <laughs> Now, the story centres around four women, three sisters and their mother and how these relationships shape you in adulthood. And I love how you said that you explore the mother and daughter relationship because it can often be, yes, a very loving one, but also a very complicated one. Yes. So a lot of, um, certainly in my first book, Secrets of the Tides, and in this book, um, the mother-daughter relationships are quite strained and the mother figures in both of those books um, are definitely loving, but they're complicated women with their own needs and desires and ambitions. And so I suppose what I'm interested in exploring in those relationships is the the 
pull and the guilt that the mother feels um, when they are pulled away from the nurturing of their children. Because I think in my own experience of becoming a mum, what surprised me was how much I adored becoming a mum and um, it was something that felt incredibly fulfilling. I would think I was quite scared when I first became pregnant with my first child because I wasn't sure I'd be up to the job to be honest and I was so overwhelmed when my first child was born by this incredible love and this desire to nurture but at the same time for me that was also the point where my writing career began and I also felt this incredible drive to create and an urge to write and that's what then started me off on writing Secrets of the Tides. So from the word go as I became a mum I was also being pulled in a different direction which was to fulfil a different sort of need and ambition inside of me and that did create a kind of complex juggle of you know what should I be doing and you know what do I want to be doing and and so I think that's sort of what you experience um, in the River Home, in particular with Kit, um, who is the sort of mother figure of the family and also an incredibly successful writer um, in her own right. And, um, you know, she's like a successful writer on steroids at one point in the book. And, um, yeah, I wanted to just sort of have that that push-pull within her. And I thought that was an interesting um trait to explore really and and what impact that then has on her three daughters and how they feel about their mum who obviously it's you know they've got this pride in having this incredibly successful mother but at the same time she also um, ends up having to abandon and neglect them at crucial times in their lives because she just can't be present for for everything and now it's interesting you say that and I'd like to explore this a bit further because I wondered if Kit would be as criticised by her husband, by her children, if she wasn't a woman? Like, I'm not sure. Are there different expectations placed on a mother and a father? Because you often read that fathers, you know, especially particularly in the past, have gone to work and it's never really been a great issue. But it is with Kit. And I was thinking to myself, is that the expectations we put on ourselves as mothers? Mm. I think that's true. I do think there's a different standard set for mothers and as opposed to fathers. I think it's getting a lot better. I do. Absolutely. And so Kit and Ted, their relationship unfolds. They meet in the 80s and her success sort of hits in the 90s. And I think back then there was still um, quite traditional gender boundaries about and expectations about who did what within the household. And the complication for Kit and Ted in particular is that when Kit meets Ted and falls in love with him, he is a successful playwright. And so he is the breadwinner. He is the kind of literary light. And um, and she's a little in awe of that. When her own star begins to rise, that creates quite a lot of tension in their relationship. And... And so I think that adds an extra layer of complexity to what they're facing as both a couple and parents running a, a, a household and raising children. But I do, I think, going back to your point, absolutely, I do think it is different for women. And I think women, we, we're very good at taking on an awful lot and feeling guilty when we drop one ball. Um, and so it is different. I wish it wasn't, but I think it is different. Um, mm. And I think the expectation for women generally to be the primary carer, the primary nurturer is still there. Um, 
And it's in ourselves as well. Like, I don't know, deep guilt inside of you. And I know it's not just me because I've spoken to other women about this as No, well. absolutely. And you, you kind of beat yourself up with this, um, you know, well, I should be, you know, setting myself up as a great role model for my children, you know, particularly daughters. You know, I want them to see that you can work and you can be successful and you can, you know, achieve all these things in life. Um but at the same time, <laughs> you also want to be there to put the plasters on when they fall over and, you know, make the home cooked meals and, you know, all those things that you sort of dream about doing it all. And we do beat ourselves up. We do. And, um, yeah, I think it's it's a really difficult um, tension that a lot of women face. Mm. And I thought the two selves was very interesting too, you know, Kit consumed by her writing, but then she would try and be involved with her daughters but then it wasn't the right time or she couldn't make the school plays or whatever and I thought it is very much you know I feel like that with my life sometimes is that two selves you know this self the professional self or the artistic self and then the the person who's meant to be the mother and sometimes it just gets very difficult to divide yourself up into all these pieces. That's right I mean for kids it's almost sort of like she's almost schizophrenic with it in that she sort of returns to the family with this sort of heightened state of, right, I'm back. And, you know, what, you know, let's just all be a family. And of course she's misreading often what the cues and signals are and what's going on in the room she's walking into. So it doesn't always work. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that causes a lot of problems for her and with her daughters. And then when she misses some crucial signals and moments in her daughter's life it creates massive problems later on for all of them and I like it because I've read a lot of books where art is this beautiful you know meditative thing or something you can do for therapy but in this book it's interesting because art is all consuming and is the cause of some of the problems amongst the family so it's interesting yeah um I think you know it's too easy isn't it to sort of set um, the creative industries up as this sort of wonderful, magical, slightly mysterious thing that just kind of happens. But actually the hard graft that goes into creating a novel or a painting or, you know, a play or, you know, whatever the, the piece of art is, it's not always just this sort of beautiful experience of sitting down and losing yourself and, you know, then coming back to the world and presenting your 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 masterpiece it's it's actually a lot of graft and there's a lot of sacrifice involved and um and so I think that's sort of partly what I was trying to show within this story that you know the sacrifices that are made have consequences that impacts um quite um strongly on some of these characters because if you just believed Instagram you'd see the beautiful desk with the lovely view of the meadow and the apple <laughs> mac and then a finished yeah. book and nothing in between. I know, and we're all guilty of doing that, you know, like a little post saying, Oh, here is my neat pile of edits that I've just finished and you know a lot of writers we, we do that because it's sort of playing the game and you're you know, you're you're trying to communicate. I mean, writing such a lonely, strange job anyway, that it's nice to have those moments of communication and being able to reach out. But yeah, it's not 
all um, neat piles of paper and walking through meadows dreaming up ideas. It's, <laughs> it's like actually sitting. More posts of writers crying at their desks. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, or just, you know, long um, live feeds of people sitting, staring into space, <laughs> pulling their hair out. It's probably more realistic. Yeah. Just looking at the blank page. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, the book focuses on childhood trauma as well and how this shapes you as an adult. And I find this so interesting about how the past can shape you and whether you can ever truly escape it or if it's just always going to be part of you. And not that that's a bad thing, but I think it's an interesting thing to explore and you do that in this novel. Yeah, and again, that's something I learned, I think, from my own experience. So having gone through a deep period of grief and um, trying to learn how to live with that, really, um, I came, you know, after a few years to the conclusion that I was never going to be able to parcel up and put away the pain that I had experienced in my life. Um, it was something that I was going to carry with me forever. And the carrying of it might shift and change. And some days it might feel heavier than others. But it was always going to be a part of me. And as soon as I acknowledged that and recognized that I was changed and transformed by my experience of loss and and it was going to always be there, um, I felt freer and lighter. And so I think that is kind of a central message within the book, which, you know, whether it's right or wrong, it's it's my experience. So I have to be careful, you know, I'm not sort of saying this is the way you do it. But for my characters, I, I guess they sort of mirror my experience, which is that the more you try and bury something or hide it or pretend it hasn't happened, the more pain and ripples it will cause for you later, I think is sort of what I learned. Um, and so it's in the confronting and the revealing and the bringing to light really what has caused us trauma or pain um, is often where I think we find our sense of release and um, and freedom from it really. Mm, I like that because it does always catch up with you, doesn't it? No matter if you think it's not going to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like a scar, isn't it? You know, you can sort of, you can carry it and wear it, but it's there. And some days you forget about it, but other days it's, you know, it's there and it's almost throbbing. And I think you have to sort of almost honour the scars and, and the the wounds that we have and accept that they're part of you and part of your life and they make you who you are. And without giving too much away, there is a little bit in the book where it does explore the kind of victim shaming or blaming. And I did think that was really important because for anyone who has gone through trauma, I think it's really important for people to know that you know, this wasn't whatever happened to them. It wasn't their fault. So I think your book explored that really nicely. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was a tricky thing to write, actually, because it wasn't something I personally had experienced. And um, I felt a great sense of responsibility, really, to, to to portray it right. And, you know, obviously, as a writer, when you delve into experiences that you know could trigger um, emotions in your readers, you, you do have a sort of a weight on your shoulders in, in that you want to to get it right, really. And so I, I tried to be careful in the writing and I think, you know, Hopefully, readers will have um, positive reaction to the way I've portrayed what happens in the book. But um, you know, it, it, it's difficult. I mean, it's one of the, the trickier parts to walk when you are writing novels that will be read by people. 
Now, writing process, has your writing process changed over the years? Are you a pantser? Are you a planner? Are you somewhere in between? What's your writing process? Uh, I'm definitely a planner. So I tend to plot out um, the bones of a story before I sit down and actually start writing it. And I, I think that works for me because I like to know where I'm headed. If I didn't have any sense of where the story was going and what was going to happen at the end, I would get pretty lost and um, I I actually don't think I'd have the motivation to start really. So for me, I'm definitely a planner, um, but I've also learned that often the best sort of twists and plot diversions and little red herrings that can come up are the things that happen as you write. So I try to stay really open to the kind of fluidity of the characters at the beginning and, and also keep the plot relatively um sort of mapped out but with the ability to take little detours and change things as I go along because it's as you get to know the characters as you write the book and the characters become more real in your head that you start to be able to really understand what it is they would do in different situations and what you thought might happen suddenly seems crazy and you think actually no this character would not do that they would go and do this which actually is a way more interesting um, road to go down so let's explore that so I'm a plotter with a bit of yeah a bit of sort of winging it <laughs> going on at the same time which I think is pretty normal because it's good to plot because you know where you're going but sometimes your characters take you somewhere else or you know yeah. your ideas broaden as you as you develop the story and the themes deepen as well. Mm. I think that's what's so interesting. Um, I remember reading Stephen King's on writing and he says, you know, you write your first draft and then one of the one of his tips is to go back and really identify what the themes are that you've written about and then work out how you can enhance those themes in the sort of second draft. And I think that's that's the beauty of sort of, you know, as you write, often it's as you're writing that you're you become clearer about what your ideas are and what it is you're trying to say and and then you need to go back and kind of say it more explicitly if you like Hannah a last question which I love to ask authors why do you write that is such a good question um <laughs> do you know I don't think I've ever been asked that question isn't that interesting isn't that, it is very interesting yeah it's a really good question why do I write well I write because I I write to, I don't know, I guess I'm scratching an itch. I love writing. I It's one of those experiences like reading as to sort of take it back full circle to where we started that gives me a sense of freedom, release, peace. Um, and when I'm lost in a story and I'm creating, I probably feel most myself which sounds ridiculous because um, I'm not really aware of myself at that point but it's incredibly satisfying to string words together and to see something growing and and to create something that takes shape and then hopefully at the end has some kind of meaning whatever that meaning ends up being um, so for me it's a it's an incredibly satisfying thing to do um, and I guess I write because I love reading and all those books that I have read and that have inspired me and the writers that, you know, encourage and inspire me. Um, it's sort of a, it's like, yeah, you, you've sort of been 
to take it back to the virus. I've been infected by something. I can't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm telling people that books and podcasts will only infect you with laughter and wisdom. So do that when we're inside. (laughs) I love that. That's, That's a very good line. Yeah, no, that's very true. Well, thank you so much for your time, Hannah. It was a beautiful book and a book I think that we could all escape to in these challenging times at the moment. And it's been lovely to chat with you about it and I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. So thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with me. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. It's been lovely to talk.